It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. Port, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Day eight, internal controls and compliance. What are internal controls? The best definition I've come across is from Jonathan Marks, who defined internal controls as, an internal control is an action or process of interlocking activities designed to support the policies and procedures detailing the specific preventative, detective, corrective, directive, and corroborative actions required to achieve the desired process outcomes or the objectives. This, along with the continuous auditing, continuous monitoring, and training, reasonably assures the achievement of the process objectives links to the organization's, organization's objectives, operational efficiency and effectiveness, reliable books and records, compliance with the law, regulations, reduction of fraud, waste, and abuse, which aids in the decline of process policy variations leading to more predictive outcomes. What are internal controls in a best practices compliance program? Under the FCPA, the starting point is the FCPA itself which requires issuers to devise and maintain a system of internal controls that can reasonably be assured that transactions are executed in management in accordance with management's general specific authorizations. Transactions are recorded as necessary to permit the preparation of financial statements in conformity with GAAP. Access to assets is permitted only in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. And finally, the recorded accountability for assets is compared with the existing assets at reasonable intervals, and appropriate action is taken with respect to any differences. The original language of the 2012 FCPA Resource Guide was, of course, updated in 2020 and brought forward. It was supplemented by the 2020 update with a pair of pointed questions. Number one, whether a company has made significant investigations into its internal controls, and two, have they been tested, then remediated based upon the testing? The whole concept of internal controls is that companies need to focus on where the risks, compliance, or otherwise are located. <clears throat> then, there are limited resources putting controls into place to address those risks. In the compliance world, your two biggest risks are company assets or resources, marketing expenses, petty cash, and other sources of funds, and diversion of company assets, such as unauthorized sales discounts, receivables, write-offs, which can be used as a bribe. There are four significant controls for compliance practitioner to initially implement. They are the delegation of authority, maintenance of the vendor master file, contracts with third parties, and movements of cash and currency. Your de delegation of authority should reflect the impact of compliance risk, including both transactions and geographic locations, so that a higher level of approval for matters involving third parties for fund transfers and invoice payments to countries outside the United States would be required inside your organization. Next is the vendor master file, which can be a powerful preventive control tool, largely because payments to fictitious vendors are one of the most common types of occupational frauds. The vendor master file should be structured so that each vendor can be identified not only by the risk level, but also by the date on which the vetting was completed and the vendor received final approval. There should be electronic controls in place to block payments to any vendor for which vetting has not been approved. Internal controls are needed over the submission uh, approval and input of changes to the vendor master file. Contracts with third parties can be a very effective internal control that works to prevent nefarious conduct rather than simply as a detect control. 
For contracts to provide effective internal controls, however, relevant terms of those contracts, including, for instance, the commission rate, reimbursement of business expenses, and use of subagents should be made available to those who process and approve vendor invoices. All situations involving the movement of cash or transfer outside, transfer of monies outside the U.S., including such methods as computer checks, manual checks, wire transfers, replenishment of petty cash loans in advance, should be reviewed by the <coughs> compliance from a compliance risk standpoint. This means identifying ways to which a country manager or sales manager could cause funds to be transferred to their control and conceal the true nature and use of those funds within the accounting system. To prevent these types of activities, internal controls need to be in place. All transfers outside the U.S. should be defined approvals in your delegation of authority. The person who executes the wire transfer should be required to evidence agreement of the approvals uh, to the DOA, and the wire transfer requests going out of the U.S. should always require dual approvals. Lastly, wire transfer requests going outside the U.S. should be required to include description of proper business purposes. The bottom line is that internal controls are really just good financial controls. The internal controls that detail requirements for third-party representation in the compliance context will help to detect fraud, which could well lead to bribery and corruption. As an exercise, map your existing internal controls to the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program or some other well-known anti-corruption regime to see which gap exists. This will help you to determine whether to whether adequate compliance controls are present in your company. From there, you can move to see if they're working in place. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, effective internal controls are required under the FCPA. Uh, as we've spoken in other podcasts in this series, this has led to the anomaly of FCPA enforcement actions where uh, there's been no bribe paid and uh, it's not foreign. So you can have an FCPA violation without a bribe or being outside the U.S. Two, internal controls are a critical part of any best practices compliance program. And three, never forget the four significant controls for compliance to implement. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. I hope you will join me for the entire month of January where I take a look at some of the significant changes in compliance and FCPA enforcement, which occurred in 2020 and will help inform your compliance program going forward into 2021 and indeed beyond. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.